The Bloody Elbow Podcast Network is moving. That's right. We're moving from SoundCloud and YouTube to Substack. It will still be available through your current iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher subscriptions, but the main home of the Bloody Elbow Podcast Network will now be on Substack. While most of our audio content will remain free, we'll be asking listeners to please get a paid subscription to support the shows, which are now ad-free. Please give us your email and we'll send you notices and summaries of every new episode. Become a paid subscriber and get bonus segments only available to those who've pledged their support. Sign up at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com today. Bloody Elbow presents the sixth round post-fight show, which gives you a rundown and full analysis of the bouts that took place on this weekend's UFC event. Hey everybody, welcome back to the sixth round post-fight show with me, Zane Simon, and my co-host, as always, Eddie Mercado. We're coming to you guys straight from the end of UFC 286 in London, England at the O2 Arena, where Leon Edwards just secured his spot as welterweight champion in the rematch, the trilogy against Kamaru Usman. No no headshot dead this time, even though he got the cheer going after the fight. <laughs> a, a scrappy, hard-fought decision. Um, but a fight that, you know, I, I personally, watching live, I scored it a draw. But I scored it a draw with the idea that if it was going to be anything other than a draw, Edwards was going to get it. So you gave Usman the third round? I gave Usman the third round. And the fourth. And, uh, and the fourth. And I think... Was that enough? to? No, no, no. Actually, yeah. I gave Edwards the third round. And I gave Usman the second. The second. And, okay. So I gave. Yeah, the second was close. That was kind of yeah. a swing round. I gave that I, one to Edwards because of that fine. knee that wobbled Usman. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, yeah, I thought man, Usman Rocky, followed Rocky with the big. It, dude. Yeah. He did. He did. I got no. I'm taking nothing away from him. Me calling it a draw was me calling it a 48 47 Leon Edwards win with a, a point deduction, you know? Yeah. Man, I touched on this a little bit in the betting odds post for this, but it it really is amazing how how much more important confidence is in fighting than it is in other sports. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. If you look at Leon in the second fight versus him in the third, I mean, he didn't he didn't look afraid of the takedown at all. He didn't look concerned about it or worried about it. He was ready for it, but he knew he could address it and he knew he could strike. He could outstrike Usman. And that's why he was so willing to let those body kicks go. Like you're throwing body kicks at someone trying to take you down. That's ballsy. That is really hard to do. So for him to be able to, and, and, I thought it was masterful for him to attack the lower body and, and maybe he threw five head kicks, you know, yeah. the whole time. 
And you know the whole time Usman's looking for the head kick, and he yeah. just wasn't giving it to him, wasn't showing it, and just ate the legs up, ate the body up. I mean, smart, very intelligent, confidence perform, confident performance from a, you know, someone who I mean, I really think confidence was his biggest, the biggest chink in his armor. Yeah, I, I mean, he put a lot of weight on the altitude. Uh, as to what really cost him that that last fight, and it could be that. I will say also though that you know uh, Connor uh, from the Viv section, Connor Rebish, he did a really good piece breaking down like all the flaws in Edwards' game. And one of the things he talked about is Edwards' footwork, where he just kind of tends to like skate sideways instead of pivoting out of the pocket uh, when he's backing up. But one of the things that I think really worked well for Edwards in this fight is because he didn't go to the head pretty much at all, he was very rarely ever in distance where he needed tight pivoting footwork. So, oh, yeah. you know. Well, I mean, a lot of that was him when he did get in those situations. He went to the clinch and, you know, was quick yeah. to launch knees or even threaten his own takedowns. So, yeah, man, he just seemed exceptionally prepared and just this. I don't think I've ever seen him this on point. No, and I I can't think of it's hard for me to think of many title fights where a guy is won without really working to the head at all. You know, where like that part of the game just was mostly out of his interest. And yeah, it's got you got to go back to like Aldo. Yeah, like back in yeah. the day with some leg kicks and in and in a fight, but, maybe like Hannah Burrell might have done it. Yeah, it, so this was this was a really interesting performance from Edwards. Really good from Kamaru Usman. Uh, definitely feels like he started the the fight a little tentative, but more than that, um, I also think you know a Edwards was just really well prepared for him. Very clearly, b one of the things that we have seen happen with. Usman at Trevor with Trevor Whitman is a real reduction in his pressure, his volume pressure. Where like, oh yeah, Usman. Honestly, still, that's what cost him that fifth round, in my opinion. Yeah, because in the four, in the fourth, he was doing that. He was he was working off his jab, tripling it up, yeah. coming over the top behind it, and it was effective because it was backing Edwards up. Yeah, and if Edwards is going backwards, he's not spamming those kicks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, he, he just he went full on full wrestle mode in the fifth, and I think that really bit him in the ass. Yeah, it, it's just one of those things that you know we we were kind of talking about this with a lot of Whitman fighters that that fight that camp really seems to value like having a really you know well crafted beautiful performance, so to speak. And not taking a lot of stupid chances. And they kind of, you know, they've kind of pushed Usman, Usman to be like, yeah, you don't, you know, don't throw so much. You say that, but then they got Justin Gaethje also. Uh, look, Justin, you can, o- you can only <laughs> train Justin Gaethje so hard in that. You know, right. Gaethje you imagine? Yeah. yeah. Could you imagine if Whitman didn't have the reins? Yeah, I mean, well, how Gage, wild Gaethje would be. Well, we saw it early in his career how wild he was coming up through like World Series of Fighting and all that. You know, he was an absolute madman. 
he does pressure a lot less now than he used to, but he was, you, you still can't get within two or, you know, four feet of Justin Gagey without him hurting you really badly with something. So, yeah, this was, you know, th- this is a tough Usman after the bout. He's kind of like, you know, I'll come back and we'll see each other again and all that. And I don't say Usman's done or anything, but, um, you know, this di- this was a diminished performance from his last fight for him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I kind of feel bad for him. Yeah. Uh, it's it's like his moment came and went, and it's almost as if he needs Edwards to lose the title before he could even think about being considered for it, especially with how many challengers we have waiting in the wings. Yeah. So I mean, Edwards said he doesn't really... Edward sounded disinterested in fighting Colby Covington. Who knows if oh, no, oh no 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 he just he he just won a ten nine round over Colby Covington. Yeah, like they yeah. flew Colby out to London thinking they're gonna set up the number one contender, mm-hmm. and Leon's like, this dude ain't fought in forever. Like, yeah, nah, I'm good. I'm gonna go to Miami. I'm gonna watch Burns and Masvidal go at it and see what's what. Yeah. Whether or not that actually holds for long, who knows? But yeah, you got. You know, you, you've also got uh, Shavkat Rachmanov coming up the ranks fast. You've got, you've got uh, Bilal Muhammad looking Bilal for the rematch. Muhammad out there. And you've got uh, Hamzat Chimaev waiting out there, yeah. figuring out what he's going to do. Like, that division is full of contenders. Dudes that Kamara Usman is going to have to fight as well. And, um, yeah, there's not going to be any quick return to title contention for Usman if Edwards is champ. All right, I got a couple quick questions. Sure. Just yes or no. I'm just going to fire away. Uh, yeah. Would you favor Leon Edwards over Colby Covington? Yeah, I think right now I would. You would? Wow. Just, I don't think I would. I feel like Covington has sort of been in the same place that uh, – Usman is in now where he, the 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 former like just step on the gas as hard as you can version of Covington isn't quite there as strong and uh if that's the case then you know he's going to spend time kickboxing with with Edwards out at range and maybe he still wins I don't know it it would be a close fight but okay you know, Covington's last wins are over Jorge Masvidal, Tyron Woodley, and Robbie Lawler, and RDA, and Damian Maya, and Dong Hyung Kim, and Brian Barberino, oh, yeah, he's, he's and Max King, Griffin. King cherry picker. King, he's King, King cherry, picker. cherry picker. I, it actually, like, it is actually, you, you actually can't go far enough back in Colby Covington's uh, career to find a point where he has a win over somebody in the current title picture. It's mm-hmm. never it's yeah. never happened. There's nobody he's beat that is in the current title picture. That is that is fair. That is fair. All right, same question for Hamzat. Uh, I would pick Chimaev. Yep. The relentless Rachman- aggression. Rachmanov. I don't know. That's tougher. Rock Rachmanov could not to save his life, get uh, Jeff Neal down. Jeff Neal. 
And no, but he didn't strangle him standing up. He didn't strangle up. him standing up. <laughs> so, you know, I... Uh, I'm... Oh, this is because like, the guy with the belt, I want to have a little respect. I know. That's my whole point. It's like, yeah. I'm not sure if I could favor him over anyone other than Bilal Muhammad. Mm. I mean, I mean, of I'd course, favor him of over course Masvidal. Burns. Of course, I'd favor him over Masvidal. If Masvidal but I, not I really don't attention. If, if Gilbert yeah. Burns does not walk through Jorge Masvidal, I will be shocked. Yeah. I'm sorry, but like Burns Masvidal. Yeah. I would I favor mean, him over Burns. Um, I don't know about Rockman. I, I will say just with I will favor Rachmanov right now, just for the relentlessness yeah, too. too. It, it, it's the relentless pressure of Rachmanov and Chimaev that has me picking them, and the feeling like Colby Covington is scaling back away from that that has me not picking him. But yeah. maybe it's just I got, personal bias too. So I, don't I have one one more for you, Zane. Okay, okay, one more. This is someone who just called him out. All right, Islam Makachev. Islam said he wants to fight him in Abu Dhabi in October. Yeah, well, Islam did beat Volkanovsky. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess I'd pick Islam. I guess I'd pick Islam. I don't know that. I just want to see these fights. Can I just can I just watch them? Well, of all of them, which which would you rather see the most? Which would I rather, of all of them, which one would I rather see the most right now? I will have to admit, Shimaev is the fight that I, like, gut level most want to see because I'm the least sure he's ready, but he's also the most physically dominating. Yeah. You know? I think for me, it's Islam. Sure. Because I think if Islam wins that, he can get that. Um, fictitious pound for pound title. Yeah, yeah, there's that. Um, I don't know, man. It, so it's so hard trying to pick those things right after watching an event because the recency bias is so strong. Yeah, you know, like I just watched Leon yeah. Edwards shut down Kamaru Usman's wrestling game, and you're like, here's five more wrestlers. Which one of them beats him? <laughs> you know, right? Yeah. Oh, right. but that's that's the landscape though. Like it that's is. what we're facing here. And I I love it. It's great. Yeah. He's just gonna fight Conor McGregor. You know, that's all. <laughs> right. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, that brings us to a, a co-main event, lightweight bout, Justin Gagey, Rafael Fiziev. Um another close, contentious fight. One card had it a draw, which is fucking absurd. There is no way you give Justin Gagey a 10-8 round. The only 10-8 round on this whole card. Like, I'm sorry. Was he tagged? No, that's not true. That's not true. Usman got a 10-8 round in that uh, third round. Okay, off of one of the junction. But still, a, still? a clean 10-8 round. A clean 10-8 round. A pure, unspo- unsullied 10-8 <laughs> Fair. There's no way you give... KG a 10-8 round in round three. It, it's a good... That, what's that strike count for round three? Because Fiziev didn't do a lot. I know that. Uh, let's see. 
Sprite Count, Gagey, Fiziev. Uh, round three was. Oh, yeah, he didn't. He didn't score a knockdown. To thirty-eight. Wow. It's it's good round for Gagey. He busted Fiziev up, but he also oh, got his best round. Open. It was the only clean round of the fight. It was the only clear, easy to score round of the fight. But I thought the first round was pretty clear for Fiziev. For Fiziev. Yeah, one yeah. judge gave it to Gagey. Um, Is it the same one that gave him the 10 8? No. Okay. But I yeah, was about to one, call shenanigans. There's only one good judging card on this in this fight, and it was the one that gave Gagey the second and the third, which is fair. I I personally thought that Fiziev might have taken the first two and obviously lost the third. I was absolutely totally fine with Gagey winning it. It was a tight, close fight. I will say I am intensely impressed at how Gagey rallied in this fight because he is the only one who really adjusted. Because Fiziev came out and he had exactly the right idea, which was to body kick this man body punch this man, knee him in the body, just hit him to the body as much as possible, and then occasionally score, you know, try, exchange hooks inside when you have to. And yeah. not great first round. Yeah. And Gagey responded first by starting to uppercut Fiziev every time Fiziev stepped in with knees and hooks. And that uppercutting gave Fiziev just enough reason to hesitate about stepping in for body strikes, that Gagey could start pumping his jab. And that really turned the tide late in this fight. Oh, yeah. To being the third round. That jab, yeah. that jab just showed up to the party in the, in that third. And, yeah. And here's another. I gave Gagey the second round also. Um, it, it was close, but, I mean, you just look at Fiziev's face and both eyes are all cut up and Gagey looks like he just woke up. It's, I, I gotta yeah. give that. I gotta award the damage there. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I am, I'm okay with that. The round two, I thought, you know, Fiziev, he, he, he got, he did get busted up, so you can score for, you can score against him. I thought he landed the bigger body shots. I thought he hurt Gagey. It looked like he hurt Gagey more in that, you know, in the in the way that the body shots super effective. But it was a very close round. I got no problem, yeah. however anybody wants to score that. And, and I mean, Gaethje also was peppering those leg kicks in the yeah. second round, causing Fiziev to switch stances. I cannot believe for the life of me what is wrong with this man. Does he have brain worms? DC started out saying, oh, yeah, Gaethje was known for those low kicks before he got to the UFC, but not as much in the UFC. Yeah, he's always been a leg kicker. Always. And it's just like the it is one of the most consistently brutal parts of his arsenal. Yeah. He can't Man. he can't come in and just start like talking like, oh wow, where did that come from? I mean, uh, okay. He no. might not be throwing him from the fucking tie clinch anymore because he's facing way better opposition, but but I he, mean, show me one fight where he didn't hurt someone's leg. Yeah, you can't go back and watch him like against Dustin Poirier crushing the leg in the UFC and be like, oh, this was a WE, this was a WSOF thing. I was actually a little shocked that Fiziev wasn't checking a lot more of them. Yeah, that was a major, major hole missed for Fiziev in this fight. 
because that was one of the things that concerned me. I was like, is Justin going to break his leg here? Because yeah. I know he's going to bring those kicks. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Fiziev's he teaches at Tiger Muay Thai. Yeah. Like, the man knows how to check. He's yeah. done it before. We've seen it. But mm-hmm. it just wasn't there today. Yeah. Great, great performance from Gagey. Like I say, Fiziev front ran in this fight, and Gagey adjusted and found ways to win in. Even whether I would have scored it for him or not, it was a tight fight. Gagey, he made the moves that, and he had the one big round. He secured the one clear round where you're like, oh no, no matter who won what, Gagey won the won the one clean round of the fight where you're just like, yeah, that had to be him. And so, honestly, I'm proud of him for not going crazy in that first round, for being uncharacteristically um, reserved and just letting Fiziev do his thing. And I, I don't I don't think I've ever seen a slower first round from Justin Gaethje, yeah. but it worked out for him. Yeah. So then the question is now, will Dustin Poirier fight him again? Man. Because you know Poirier doesn't want to. Nobody wants to. But if Gagey wants to make a title run, like we've got Dariush versus Oliveira out there, and we have, you know, otherwise Michael Chandler. And well, you got to save Conor McGregor now. Yeah, and, and Conor McGregor. And sure, you maybe maybe McGregor beats Chandler. I, I it's I'm very fifty fifty on that. Maybe even sixty forty Chandler, just because you know McGregor is only sort untrustworthy. of yeah, untrustworthy. Yeah, untrustworthy. And there just are not there aren't that many fights right in the top five that KG hasn't fought already, and the guys coming up behind are not guys that if you're get, like Fiziev was a, a fight that it made sense that Gagey would want to take it. It was a badass fight, but like Saryukian, Gamrot, these are not fights that Gagey's going to be like, Oh yeah, I'll take on one of those dudes while I got a little time to waste. Yeah. Yeah. I think Gagey made it blatantly clear that, yeah. you know, he's got a couple left. He's got one run at the title, and he's not going to waste any fights on anyone who um, doesn't get him closer to that. Yeah. So. So it's got to be. It's got to be the Poirier rematch, or it's got. He's got to hope that the UFC hates Benil Dariush so much that if he beats Charles Oliveira, they're still like, yeah, we don't really want to do that. We don't really want to give you a title shot, and then Dariush could fight. But even then, Dariush and Gagey are friends. So they might not even be willing. Dariush to and Gaethje are friends. They're not that good of friends, are they? I've heard that they are. Good enough to where they wouldn't fight for, you know, title contention. I don't know about that. Yeah, I mean, I would still try to book it. I wanted, I've wanted to see that fight for a while. Man, but... and Islam, man, he he's he's the guy that doesn't want to fight any lightweights. Yeah. <laughs> he wants to fight up or fight down, and yeah. that's fine. You know, whatever. He's making it fun. Yeah. But that division's already pretty incestuous. It really is. We we got a lot of brother cousins in, in the lightweight division. Yeah, you gotta I don't know. 
I would love if he fights Corey. I mean, that's that would be a dream matchup for it's, me. It's a, it's an awesome rematch. It would be a great fight to see again. Their first fight was awesome. Banger, absolute banger. Yep. All right, that brings us to a welterweight bout: Gunnar Nelson, Brian Barberena. I looked at this when it was booked, and I was like, man, they really did Brian Barberena dirty. But he's, I mean, this was not supposed to be Brian Barberena here. It was supposed to be uh, D Rod, and so. That's right. Barbarina stepped in of his own free will, but he stepped right into the worst style matchup you could ever pick for a Brian for Brian Barbarina. Yeah, it's like a carbon copy of his last fight. Oh, Except we, worse. Yeah. Yeah. Like you know, if, if RDA is gonna go in and hit a body lock takedown to a submission, Gunnar Nelson, that's all he wants to do. There's, there's no way he's doing anything this else. This was so methodical, too. Mm-hmm. Like, he got his takedown, and then he was just chilling. And it's funny, because Barbarina's going crazy off his back, throwing all these wonky strikes, and Gunnar's just chilling, waiting. <laughs> and then he'll, like, smash down with a giant elbow of his own that you didn't even see coming, like, from wrist control. And you're like, ooh. And then he'll just use that, like, the little bit of movement that Brian gave him, he used it to advance his position or threaten with something else. And man, when he spun for that arm bar, that yeah, was you pretty... knew. I see a lot of people. You see a lot of people spin for arm bars from mount like that, and you're like, oh, you're just giving up mount to, to get mm-hmm. like not get a sub. But with with Nelson there, you're like, okay, you sat down for an arm bar. That arm is going home. There is no way anything else. I don't even care. There's only like six seconds left in the round. He's yeah. I mean, when it happened, I was like, the question was, is, is Brian gonna let his arm break or not? Yeah. <laughs> Like I, I knew it was over. Yeah. I mean, I expected him to win by submission, um, and he did what he was supposed to do. So back-to-back wins for for old Gunny. How old is he, by the way? He's not that old. He's only. I think everybody is 34 in the UFC right now. Yeah, he's 34. <laughs> I, I was looking this up the other day, like going up and down. No, like Jennifer Maya is 34. Justin Gagey is 34. Uh, you know, like Leon Edwards isn't, but it, it really is just one of those things where I was like, wait a minute, how is oh Roman Delidzi 34? Dang. You know? Wow. Brian Barbarina's 33, but everybody right now in the UFC is 34. It's 34 or 36. Aquan Amirkani's 34. So yeah, it's weird. Mm. Let me see. All right. Anyway, uh, yeah, rough outing for for Nelson for Barbarina there. Great win for for Gunnar Nelson, but it also doesn't sound like he's interested in fighting all that often. So who knows when we'll see him again? He's just kind of like, yeah, I'm gonna go back and coach some more, and we'll see. We'll see what shakes out next. Yeah, well, what a weird career. Yeah, like, just... it, it seems like just zero title aspirations. Yeah, I think and it's like, damn, dude, you 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 almost beat Leon Edwards. Like you were right there. Yeah, me, I'd I'd be trying to, I don't know, angle my way into something. I think he made a serious run and a serious push. He got some bad injuries, some bad rib injuries and stuff like that. Training mostly, and he hit those couple losses, and now it's just kind of like you know he had to take all that time off. He had to take three years away, and he just found other stuff to do. And it's suddenly like you know, I enjoy doing other stuff. Fighting's hard. 
Yeah, no kidding. Um, oh, we did get a note from our producer. Dana White has said that Colby Covington will be the next title contender. So, uh, so clearly, Leon Edwards continues to be disrespected. He is the yeah. Rodney Dangerfield of MMA. Really? No kidding. We just got done talking about how you know we we wouldn't favor him over most contenders. Yeah, we're Dana White is yeah. now calling his shots for him. Yeah. Wow, you're the oh. champ. You defend your title against someone like Kamaru Usman. Yeah. And you're not even allowed to pick your next fight. You, you got, know you're being it, told. You know what? It's got to be. Dana White heard that pop when Colby Covington entered the building. He got mm-hmm. a pop. I was shocked. He got a big pop. And that sealed it. That had to seal it. It's just like, no, he's he's got to be next. Yeah. I would so, love to see Leon fight it, though. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to see him push it, back. It, he should. I mean, what are they going to do? Take his belt away because he says this guy's a bum? Yeah, they'll probably, uh, well, they'll put an interim title on the line and Mm -hmm. they'll say, you know, Edwards didn't want to fight him. Yeah, yeah. I I don't don't think he'll go that far. The belt probably means too much to him to, for him to think of like, oh, I'll, you know, let them take part of it away with an interim title. Anyway, let's go to a woman's flyweight bout. Jennifer Maya, Casey O'Neill. I am so. I, I, you know, you know me. I am always the one to want to ride with the the veteran who has been there before against the up and comer who I don't think has been tested enough. I was like, no, the veteran ha- they have the tools. They can win this. They can do this. This was the most perfect veteran performance from Jennifer Maya of her whole career. Just a wild, sure. energetic, high output young fighter who has never had to fear or had a moment's hesitation about, oh, I'm not, I'm just not good enough to win. And she threw herself at my, Casey O'Neill threw herself at Maya for three rounds. And to my eyes, I know she got one round from two judges, but to my eyes, Casey O'Neill just got beat up for about 85% of that fight. 100%. 100%. She had she landed a couple of solid punches here and there. Yeah. But she got pieced up. Like yeah. credit to her for the forward progress. She was coming forward, but I mean the movement of Maya was phenomenal. Like yeah. side to side movements, O'Neal was real linear. She was either going forward or she was going backwards. She was always chasing Maya. She was never cutting off the octagon, um, never hitting angles. And Maya would just do this like kind of awkward. And that's the thing. It's not the prettiest technique, right? No. It's it's function over form, 100%. But she would just like tilt her head to the side and throw like this weird looking four piece and it would land. Mm-hmm. And they weren't the biggest strikes, but they were super effective and they were disruptive. Yeah. And O'Neill just really could never have any kind of sustained offense. It might be a strike here and a strike there. But it was never any kind of oh okay she she has a rhythm going she's yeah I mean she got blown out man yeah <laughs> she this got was, blown out this was this should be a reasonable wake up call for her that you can't just bully your way through everybody you are gonna hit levels there are levels to this game you are gonna hit them you're gonna hit points where people are just technically more skilled than you and no matter how far you know how how hard you push yourself against them. They're just going to stop you. So 
and she is coming. Um, you know, she had some injuries she's been dealing with also. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if that played a factor here or what, but nah, it's just, she, she just, got taken to school. This was just a huge leap. It was, you know, she she couldn't out she couldn't take uh, Roxanne Modafferi off her feet, and people were like, "Oh, she landed like 250 strikes against Roxanne Modafferi." It's like, yeah, she also got hit with 120 by Roxanne Modafferi, and Jennifer Maya is a much slicker, cleaner boxer. And if you're if all you can do is step forward and box with her in the pocket, you're not gonna, you know, you're not just gonna be able to wing wild shots at her. And Maya proved that. It's great to see. Love to see it. Keeps Maya right in the top ten as a gate in that gatekeeper role. Kind of thinking uh, maybe she could face off against somebody like uh, Amanda Hebush after her her latest win. You know. Yeah, that was a big one for her. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they're right there, eight and nine yeah. right now. So. That brings us to a middleweight bout, Marvin Vittori, Roman Delidze, kind of a mirror image. Uh, Delidze certainly got a lot more done with his wild swinging, clubbing punches, much bigger puncher than uh, Casey O'Neill. But uh, Vittori, for the first time in his whole career, had to fight off the back foot and was able to do a pretty good job of it. You know, not the prettiest Um. thing, but... He got it done. I mean, he had a very veteran performance. Yeah. Of, um, an uncharacteristic, polished, commanding performance where he played the outside and used his range tools and outsmarted Lindsay. And I can't even believe I just said that, but it happened. Yeah. It, it absolutely. <laughs> Marvin Vittori outsmarted somebody in the octagon. You've heard it here. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I like what Delizzi was doing out there. I mean, with the tools he has, he made the most of it. Um, it's just hard to maintain that kind of aggression for three rounds, let alone yeah. five. So I think there's there's some improvements to be made there, but this was close. I mean, he yeah. he made it he made it exceptionally close. You gotta credit Delizzi for a dude who is going out there and just being like Oh, kind of a meathead stand-in. Like, just like Casey O'Neill, just being a big bully and expecting people to go away for for him. Delidzi, he does that really well. Like, he clubbed Vittori several times. You could argue that Vittori got hurt, hurt the worst in two rounds of this fight that, you know, than Delidzi. I would still, I still gave it to Vittori. I think he did a ton of great work with his low kicks. He blocked most of the right hands. He countered a ton, and he got the job done. But Delizzi is amazingly, really remarkably physical at middleweight, you know? Right. See, and that's if if Delizzi had just a little bit more volume, he probably would have won this. Yeah, but he can't have more volume thrown the way he does. He will pass out. From, he, there's not enough red blood cells to carry enough oxygen. Like, well, when you're up. like when you're picking a quarter up off the ground every time you throw a right hand, like how are you going to follow that with a second punch? There's no, no. 
There's but, no I way mean, to... to be fair, the like first 90 seconds, Delizzi was throwing some really pretty tight hooks. Yeah, it's true. He did have he did have a couple moments. If he could brawl like that and stay in the pocket like that, he made things happen when he was in the pocket with Vittori. Even when Vittori was slipping and landing bigger counters, Delizzi put a scare into him a few times. And it's been a good night for some veterans. You yeah. got Gaethje getting back into the win column against a guy on a streak. Uh, you got Nelson uh, yeah. doing his thing. Vittori getting uh, back into the win column, you know, against a, a hungry up and coming finisher. Maya Shout doing out to the, the vets. Yeah. yeah, Maya doing the same with O'Neal. Um, not the case for our next fight, though. No. <laughs> Real quick, I will say, too, I love Vittori had a, a trio of call outs. Two of which he's not getting the title, the the the, the champion and the challenger, but he did call out Jared Cannonier, and that fight makes a ton of sense. So hope they, they haven't fought yet. No, can you believe it? Nah, has to happen. Wow. All right. Yeah. That brings us to a featherweight bout: Jack Shore, Makwan Amir Khani, and like, it is really remarkable. Makwan Amir Khan, we were talking about this a little on the Vivi. He has been in the UFC for eight years now. And he is the exact same dude with the exact same problems. Like, he came out and he well, yeah. good. You know? The dude has the worst gas tank below 155 pounds. It is remarkable that he could fight at this level for this long with that same issue, though. Like... He had a good first round. He it, it wasn't even like a pressed first round. He no, they should, he needs shots. he has to change his nickname to Mister First Round. Yeah, he does, yeah. He Especially got with the that first round in too, because too, because you know, with that like sort of weird buzz thing he's got going on, he's not Mister Finland anymore. No, he's lost. Not not as debonair as he used to be. And yeah. this this crazy slump man, that's that he lost five of his last six. Now everybody knows, like, all you got to do is survive. All you right. got to do is live through that first round. Makwan Amikani won that first round. It all went well for him. He did not, he got on top and he just did work on top. It wasn't even a pressing scramble-filled round. It was just, you know, a pretty good first round for Makwan Amikani. And then he was tired and that was it. And it was yeah. done. And I mean, that's why I think this was an a really intelligent matchup for sure because sure. he was moving up from bantamweight yeah and i mean he's a grappler right like that's his thing that's his mo so moving up to grapple is usually not a easy thing yeah. to do um so i think he picked a really smart opponent to try it out against someone who yeah. is going to be there for the first but is going to gas out Meanwhile, he's moving up. He's going to have more in the tank than he did at 135. So he, I think he called a beautiful shot here. Yeah. Now, I just it, hope it that Nathaniel Wood gets healthy and they can rebook Wood versus Shore because that was the fight this was supposed to be. Mm. Oh, wait, no. Wood was supposed to fight Lerone Murphy, rather. But I would mm. much rather see Nathaniel Wood versus Jack Shore. That would be yeah. a wonderful fight. Two former I'm down for that. Woods nasty. Yeah. All right. That brings us to a lightweight bout. Chris Duncan, Omar Morales. And um, 
Elmer Morales has to get our what were you thinking award of the night, right? Because Chris Duncan was just like hugging on him, laying on him, just draped like window, like curtains on the man. And Omar Morales is there on one knee, like giving the ref a thumbs up and a big smile and being like, hey, get this guy off me. It's like, hey, why don't you try winning this fight? Because if you could like get up and do a little bit, Chris Duncan is doing nothing. And yeah, no, uh, it's it just shows <clears throat> the lack of depth to his grappling. Like he was doing, he did a really great job of not getting put on his back, but he couldn't. It's he didn't know what to do from the the one knee position. You I know, guess. when the guy has your back, he just didn't know what to do. He didn't have any answers. So in his mind, it's like. I can either try to move and give up position because I don't know what to do, so I'm probably going to do the wrong thing, or I just sit here and hope for the best. And he sat there, so yeah. And we still got a twenty, a thirty twenty-seven from one judge, which I will, I I will stand by. That is, uh, a lot of people will think that's insane, but if all you're doing is getting laid on and you land five punches in the round, I will score that round for you in my heart. I want that in your heart. Right? In my heart, but I think by the scoring criteria, you have to judge that round. If, if it's I, predominantly I, grappling, I scored round. the fight for Duncan. But in my heart, I was like, I would much rather just see Morales get this. Please, this sucks. I don't want to. Re- I don't want to reward Wall and Stall, which is all that Duncan had for the last couple rounds yeah. of that fight. Which is wild. No, no, I, I hate it. I hate it too. Yeah, but it's dominant control and. Yeah, when you get nothing yeah. else, that's the end. Of the you know, criteria. as as the great, not the great. Let me rephrase. <laughs> as the uh, the the alpha male product, maybe former alpha male Danny Castillo uh, once said after a fight, uh, oh, after his fight against Tony Ferguson, had it been prison, you know. Oh God, no, we're not. You know, we're not. No, <laughs> we are not. We are not bringing that back. Hey, that's um, Danny Castillo. Yeah. Okay. We're, that's well, not my words. Danny Castillo can have it. Um, anyway, Chris Duncan, where was the fun brawler from the Contender series who would just trade massive hooks on people and either sleep or go to sleep? You sleep someone or go to sleep. That dude was fun. This dude, he gets a debut win, but I have no interest in it at all. All right. That brings us to a lightweight battle. Yanal Ashmuz against Sam Patterson and... Um, I Patterson, it was like a whole person bigger than Ashmoos out there. And I was also going in, it's like, man, he stands so tall. I am really worried about that. Ashmoos is kind of a little bowling ball. And Ashmoos just bowled him over. Yeah, man, he was a... He's a monster, dude. <laughs> he was an absolute monster out there. And this is pro- this is my knockout of the night. Yeah. This was, he didn't um, get a bonus. He deserved one. Yeah, Especially that's guilty. Gunnar Nelson got one. I get it. The setup was pretty. Arm bars are hard. But Gunny was always going to submit Brian Barbarena. Ashmose yeah. took Sam Patterson's head home in a bag. Who got who got the bonuses? Uh, Gunnar Nelson and Jake Hadley. Hadley also wait, Hadley too. Wait. That's a 
I mean, yeah, I'm, Hadley for I, sure. The, you hooked a body the, like that. Yeah, but you took a body that was decaying, like from the inside. I don't care. I don't okay. give a fuck. If <laughs> if you know your opponent's got a weak liver, you better beat that thing up. Like, uh, what no, are you I, talking I, about, Zane? This is combat. I I'm not saying Hadley shouldn't have done it. I'm just saying that treating it like it's a bonus worthy thing. It's just like, yeah, I mean, I'm happy Hadley got a bonus because dudes down at the bottom of the prelims, they deserve that. They need that money. But yeah, anybody reckon someone with body hooks deserves a bonus. Okay, okay, fine, fine. I, I just come think on now. Ashmo's over Maya, that or over uh, Nelson rather. Ashmo's over Nelson. I'll say. I don't understand why they're all not getting these bonuses. I know they should all get them. There's no reason not to pay everybody. Pay everybody that was there. Was there a fight of the night? Yeah, fight of the night was KG versus Fiziev. Oh yeah, true, true, true. Yeah. No two ways. Man, that makes me feel bad for Mukayev. Yeah, no kidding, too, because like he got his knee snapped. Yeah, he and still came back and changed right now. Hey, Britain's got in the NHS, Mukayev. Bad, bad timing, man. <laughs> you need that free health care today. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. That was rough. We'll get, or I guess we can get there yeah, now. Yeah, let's just jump right in because this was, um, this was, you know, Mukayev, he probably shouldn't have taken this fight. All things considered, because yeah, he he was was injured. He, yeah, he had a, he needed shoulder surgery or something. Yeah, they talked about this. He had shoulder surgery. He chose to rehab, and he got to the fight. But you could see, like, he got takedowns early. But the second round of this fight, Mokayev pretty much just didn't fight. He he just circled and got a takedown at one point. Couldn't do anything with it. I think late and. Fielho landed low kicks, and Mokayev just had to, you know, he, he couldn't throw anything. And then he gets knee barred, and his knee is ripped apart. <sighs> and literally, he says he heard it snapping and popping. He could not stand on it. And for him to get a takedown, get to a back take on one leg, and face crank Fielho into a tap, a Fielho into a tap, that is remarkably brutal. Yeah, that shows uh, the type of grappler that he is. Like, he's a true, you know, some guys just live like that, you know. Yeah. It's like, you can knee bar me. That's fine. I'll keep going. Break it. Like, Gordon Ryan, you yeah. know. I think he got his ankle broken uh, in, like, I think it might have been his last match. But he just kept fighting through it and ended up winning. Yeah. You know, some of these guys just don't care, like. I think Forrest Griffin actually got his arm broken in a fight, fought through it, ended up winning. Yeah. Like these guys don't care. Honestly, when I train, when I'm training, if I'm doing jujitsu, I don't even go for joint locks. Like if it's there, fine. But I always go for chokes. Like you're not fighting out of being unconscious. No. Uh, Um, But so feel he has to feel like shit, man. Like yeah, you, you break this dude's knee, you shred it, you take it home, you 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 earn his one armed, one legged man in front of you, and and you tap to a face crank. Yeah, yeah. Like how do you witness this guy? Like go, go 
go to sleep, dude. <laughs> yeah. Like, you have to after that. Like you can't yeah. you can't have this guy grit through a knee bar and then tap to a face crank. Damn that. Yeah, that that is that is got that is a brutal brutal debut for Filio. Like it was a hard fought loss. Like you, you know, it, it wasn't a bad fight out of context, but with that context, it really is just like man, you know who you know in the cage who wanted it more. There's no question. Exactly, exactly. Honestly, the first two rounds were pretty bunk. I wasn't yeah. entertained at all yeah, up I mean, until the third round. Say- yeah. The most exciting thing was when the lights went down before the fight even started <laughs> while both guys were in the cage. And like the crowd yeah. starts chanting Olay and they break out the cell phones. The lighting guy got fired. Yeah. All right. Mokaev, I I'm just, you know, for his sake, I am hoping that he didn't derail his whole career here for like UFC starter pay. Cuz Oh man. He got his knee snapped, and that's going to be hard to come back from if it's as bad as it looked, you know? Honestly, the referee could have stopped it. Oh, sure. And there was even a moment where he looked to the referee and was like, hey, I just broke this guy's knee, and the ref's yep. like, keep going, break it more. Yeah. What do you? Th- what did you think of the? I mean, I know Mokayev was either just clowning around or doing a little like, hey, good job, buddy. But there was that the, we did get the phantom tap moment, you know, the weirdly yeah, in round yeah. one from Mokayev in Filio's guard, where he you can see on video he clearly just like slapped him on the back a couple times, in a way that if there had been a submission on would have looked exactly like a tap. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and and uh, shrug that off after watching <laughs> him <laughs> grit through the knee bar. Yeah, like. If he was going to tap, he would have tapped. I yeah, Filio didn't seem to, like, take it. You know, he wasn't, like, jumping up, putting his arms in the air and doing victory laps and telling the ref that he submitted. So, anyway, that brings us to a featherweight bout. Lerone Murphy, Gabriel Santos, and a, uh, you know, another fight brutally close. I scored it for Santos. I don't have any big problem with Murphy winning it. But uh, no matter what, for me, the story here, especially on a short notice, was just how good Gabriel Santos looked. Because Leron yeah. Murphy is a true physical force. And for Santos to go out there and put it on him for three rounds, that was really good. Now, he looked, especially that first round, yeah, like with a full gas tank, Santos looked he looked polished. Yeah. Like he looked ready. He looked put together. I, I was, I was really digging his vibe. Mm-hmm. And I guess, and I, I'm going to cut him some slack. He did slow down in a second, but you know, short notice and all, what are yeah. you going to do? But I'm, his stock definitely went up with this fight. Yeah. Yeah. This was, you know, there, there was never, a moment, even as, even when he got tired, there was never a moment where he stopped fighting and stopped trying things. You know, he was out there. Yeah, solid every- fight. Yeah. Tough fight, man. Grueling fight. Yeah. Hopefully he gets a nice step back, gets a little intro, gets a little, uh, you know, debut kind of win that he should, that's a prospect like him should be getting in the UFC because this is somebody I want to see in, around for a while, you know? Yeah. It, just super complete, like just ready to go. I, I love that. I love when, when we get guys in the UFC who are just, 
finished products. Absolutely. Like, let's go. Let's start this March. Yeah. That brings us to a middleweight bout. CLD, Christian Leroy Duncan. I am absolutely going to, every time a three-name fighter is willing to go by his initials, I will always call them their initials from that point on. Like, it's just so much easier. Uh, CLD. Well, for now. For, well, okay. I mean, if you don't want to, if you want to take the hard road, you can take the hard road. Uh, CLD against Dushko Todorovic. And um, hey, we didn't really get to see this fight. Uh, no, I mean, CLD looked great for the yeah. entire minute. <laughs> but Great for a minute, uh, then. I would say no. his physicality is responsible for Todorovic's knee exploding because Todorovic tried to tie up with him and just kind of wrench him down and then had to fight out of the clinch. And the difficulty he had in doing that was what made him plant and twist his leg like that. Yeah. But and I'm sure I'm sure those leg kicks didn't help either. Yeah, sure. But sealed. He he looked he looked comfortable out there. Uh-huh. You know, he didn't seem nervous at all. He didn't seem jittery. He, you know, I wouldn't have even thought it was his debut if I didn't know. Yeah. Guy looked like good. the man just seems really well composed for someone who and maybe that's a, a testament to having such a, a lengthy and, and robust amateur career. Yeah. Because he doesn't have many professional bouts, but damn, he he looks like a veteran. Yeah. He looks like a veteran and you know, too, like he even said, I may be undefeated as a pro, but like He's taken the lot. He took. He's taken the losses as an amateur too. So. And they weren't bad either. No. You know, a couple split decisions. You know, the rest were just decisions. So it's like, not like he was getting knocked out in the exactly. ends. Yeah, it wasn't one of those things where you're looking at like a guy on the amateur and you're like, "Why did you go pro, man? You should." Yeah. <laughs> you you got hurt really bad by people who were amateurs. Maybe you shouldn't. It's more just yeah. If you're gonna have amateur fights, like those are the times to just. Try stuff, work out kinks, you know, maybe you just spend a whole fight kickboxing with somebody who's trying to take you down and all you do is try to try to strike with them and you don't care because who cares, you know? Right. Like, yeah. It's not a real pro record. Anyway, uh, he looked good for as long as this lasted. I'll be interested to see what he, do- what he does next. That brings us to a catch weight, 129 pound. Uh, supposed to be a flyweight bout. Jake Hadley, Malcolm Gordon. This, you know, I say that Muhammad Mokayev probably shouldn't have taken the fight with Filio because he had such a clearly, an injury that was clearly hampering him going in. Malcolm Gordon should not have been allowed in the cage. Clearly. Yeah, that's that's wild. Like, like if you're medically ordered to stop cutting weight... Because you have enough kidney and liver damage that your liver is like disintegrating out into your urine. You know, I know that that kind of like, you know, brown pee thing is it's not totally foreign to weight cutting. It's it's bad. It's a bad sign. It's not like outlandish. But if you can't like he should never be allowed to fight at flyweight again, clearly, you know. Mm. If your body can't take that weight cut to the point that it is doing that kind of damage, you can't be, you can't be fighting. Can't, what are you, you going to turn around and be like, yeah, go ahead, try try the weight cut again? 
Yeah, no, I mean, it's only, it's another 10 pounds. I think, yeah, Bantamweight or bust or stop fighting, maybe. Yeah. Either way, the outcome of this fight, too, just cemented, like, Gordon should not have been in there. The first body shot he hit, he got hit with, clearly hurt him. The second one put him out of the fight. And like I was saying earlier, man, credit to Hadley for doing it. Yeah. You no. know, he, he came out and did the damn thing. And those punches were beautiful, well timed, perfectly placed. He said he's been practicing body shots all, you know, camp that he loves taking, you know, taking people out with them. So it's not to discredit and say, oh, he couldn't have done that all on his own. He might be able to, but the whole set of circumstances, Gordon, something has to happen there. You cannot just. You cannot turn around and go back and fight at flyweight again. It doesn't yeah, that's make- definitely alarming. Yeah. I mean, it's alarming that they even let him compete. Yeah. You know, knowing his, the condition of his liver. Um, yeah. Like, I, I understand putting food on the table and doing your job. So I understand Gordon going out there. Sure. Um, but well, we got to. Part of that, too, sport. is. That, you know, I think uh, I don't think England has a real commission, really. So it, it may be the UFC running their own show on this, which means that Damn. they can, you know, you don't really have anybody in whom for, for whom they are looking. They they feel like it would be in Gordon's best interest not to fight because the UFC, they want to keep the fight. Gordon wants right. to keep the fight. A commission's role is to not care whether the fight happens or not, but to look out for the talent and, you know, what is in the best interest of their health. And when the UFC is overseas, you don't really have anybody in that role. Yeah, that sucks. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love the finish. Sure. It's awesome finish. Incredible finish. But sucks for Gordon. Yeah. All right, that brings us to a women's flyweight bout. We're talking veterans picking up badly needed wins. Joanne Wood taking a split decision over Luana Carolina. I don't really think it should have been a split. I think there's a better argument for 30-27 Wood than there is 29-28 Carolina. But uh, Wood just, she took advantage of the fact that Carolina is really easy to back up, and she never let her off the hook, and that's what she had to do. I was surprised this fight was as close as it was. Yeah, I mean, JoJo has all this experience. Like you were once the you know number one contender, and like you're having you're having fits with Luana Carolina. Physicality was never a big part of her game, and it has been the downfall. She's getting older. Is you know. Fighters who have any physicality to their game can always force a hard fight out of her. So yeah, it just doesn't it doesn't give me hope. No, no, <laughs> as her, not, you know, ever making it around. to a belt. Yeah, this is not turnaround title contender Joanne Wood. This is, hey, you're on the you know you're 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 sliding into retirement. It's good to see you didn't just get like stomped by a young fighter that you would have beat every day and twice on Sunday five years ago. Yeah. Not a, not a great performance. Like it was scrappy and competitive, but it just, it it seemed way more competitive than it should have been on paper. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. All right. That brings us to a lightweight bout. 
Jai Herbert, Ludovic Klein, and this was a majority draw. Uh, Herbert getting deducted one point in in round three for multiple groin strikes. And uh, yeah, the draw was the right move by me. Really, really kind of a bad fight from Klein, honestly. Yeah, it was a sticky fight, though. I mean, yeah. neither guy really looked good in any moments. No. You know, neither guy was really landing clean. Um, the ones that did land weren't really impactful. So yeah. the, big, it, the, the big losing thing for me with Klein was he went out and he, like, took Jai Herbert down, and then he just decided, proceeded to lose horribly from Herbert's guard. And, like, yeah, that should tell you a whole bunch of things as a fighter. Like Right there being like, A, what the hell are you doing wrestling? B, man, you really got to work on your top game. Because you just lost absolutely unequivocally while on top of somebody. Yeah, definitely not a good look. And I thought he was doing pretty good on the feet also. Yeah, he, he was doing fine. So, I don't know. And, I mean, Jai is such a nervous fighter. He and really is. That, that always concerns me. That's that's one of the biggest – like, when you see guys make their, their UFC debut, a lot of times they're usually jittery on their first time out. But mm-hmm. the second, third time you see them, that goes away. They settle in. They look like they belong there. Like yeah. CLD looked tonight in his debut. Yeah. He just looked like he belonged there and had been there forever. Um, but Jai, man, he, like he's got all these fights, and and he still looks as nervous as someone in their first fight ever. Mm-hmm. Like he's so – it just makes me nervous for him. He looks like on the brink of getting knocked out all the time, yeah. even when he's not. Like he's doing well, and he's still just – I don't understand. The man right. needs to chill. Smoke yeah. some blunt or something in between <laughs> rounds. Like, relax, dude. Uh, yeah. Weird fight. Not a good one. That brings us to our woman, our opening bout, woman's flyweight fight, Veronica Hardy, Juliana Miller. And all credit to Hardy, because this was the calmest and most controlled fight of her career. She is a fighter who has also always looked nervous, always looked jittery, has been battling some bad concussion issues, apparently, and took a bunch of time off, got married to Dan Hardy. And, uh, you know, she she was saying I, I was wondering about this going in. I picked Miller, but I was wondering, I was like, you know, Dan Hardy knows how to break a fight down. Maybe yeah, being around him for a few years is going to kind of help her figure things out a little. Who knows? And she looked way calmer. Yeah, definitely composed in a fight where she needed to be. Mm-hmm. Because I, I love the grappling of Miller. Like yeah. She is slick, savvy. She will submit you from any position. But it's like it's the opposite of a round winning style. Yeah. It's like if she's not catching the sub, I mean, the smallest amount of volume from her opponent is going to win them the round. Well, she's she's a sick jitsu fighter, and that striking does not come naturally to that camp. Nah, but she's about it. Like, Miller throws. Yeah. Like, she's a fighter. She is a fighter. She's like, a she lot will like throw. It ain't... Yeah. I'm oh, sorry. 
Like Casey O'Neill? Yeah, I was going to say, she's a lot like Casey O'Neill. Like, she's just so used to being able to bully everybody. She's never really had somebody just be able to shut her down and be like, no, you got to be, you actually have to give me something technically to worry about. Yeah, it's like, and, and she can just wade in with these reckless strikes because, you know, much like Demi Amaya, all she needs to do is tangle up in some way, shape, or form, and she can make it competitive. I mean, she had plenty of armbar attempts. That knee bar was full on. That was a deep knee bar. But instead of just getting her shit snapped, Hardy actually defended and fought out of it. So credit to Hardy, man. The submission defense was just on point tonight. Yeah. It really was. And just smart play to her. Yep. All right. That wraps up our breakdown, but for those of you especially subscribing to our newly formed Bloody Elbow podcast substack, and for those of you listening who have not yet subscribed, we're going to have some special bonus content. We're going to be joined by our very own longtime head honcho of Bloody Elbow, Kid Nate, jumping in here for a little bit of uh, bonus six-round Breakdown from tonight's pay-per-view card. Hey! To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today. The Bloody Elbow Podcast Network is moving. That's right, we're moving from SoundCloud and YouTube to Substack. It will still be available through your current iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher subscriptions, but the main home of the Bloody Elbow Podcast Network will now be on Substack. While most of our audio content will remain free, we'll be asking listeners to please get a paid subscription to support the shows which are now ad-free. Please give us your email and we'll send you notices and summaries of every new episode. Become a paid subscriber and get bonus segments only available to those who've pledged their support. Sign up at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com today.